every opinion and belief you hold, and I don't care what it is, and I'll have this argument with anyone, like, I don't care if it's a politics, religion, spirituality, culture, you have to admit, I believe this right now, but everything you believe is an opinion based on your data set and your experiences, and you could potentially be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's a critical juncture for us to have the humility to admit, here's what I believe, please prove me wrong. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Transacting Value, where we're encouraging dialogue from different perspectives to unite over shared values. Our theme for season four is intrinsic values. So what your character is doing when you look yourself in the mirror. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're a continuing listener, welcome back. Today, we're talking our April core values of growth, stewardship, and contentment with the founder of Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, and author of A Warrior's Mindset, Six Keys to Greatness, Mr. Sean Patton. So without further ado, folks, I'm Porter. I'm your host, and this is Transacting Value. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate you making some time out of your day, especially on a weekend, being as busy as you are, to come and talk on the show. So first off, thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love what, I love what you're doing here on the podcast. Great messaging, and uh, I'm sure your audience is getting a ton of value from it. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems that way to me too. So I'm glad we can work together and get your uh, perspective to help contribute to some of this. Now, there's a few things as far as the show structure is concerned for anybody listening, where I like to start with a segment within the first couple minutes of the show. But before we get to that, I think it's also important that you guys understand who you're listening to, right? You get a little bit of me in each one of these conversations, but Sean, Sean's got his own brand and you guys may be unfamiliar with it. So, Sean, let's start with you real quick, man. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? And what things have shaped your perspective? Absolutely. So I'll give you the fast version here. I'm originally from Kansas, a small town called Lawrence. It's a college town right outside Kansas City. I grew up there. And then right after high school, I was lucky enough to attend the military academy at West Point up in New York. So, you know, a few weeks after high school, graduated, head up to basic training at West Point as a cadet. Spent four years there on the wrestling team for two years and graduated in 2005 into the infantry, which is my first choice, and was stationed in the 101st Airborne Division. So I was an infantry officer, I went to training, I came and I was lucky enough, I was a platoon leader for an infantry rifle platoon, and then a scout and sniper platoon, uh, including 14 months in Southwest Baghdad. Came back, went to Special Forces Assessment Selection, got selected, two years of training later, got my Green Beret, ended up coming back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, the 5th Special Forces Group, where Again, I was you know, lucky enough to command two different special forces detachments or ODAs, a regular team and then an underwater infiltration or dive team. Spent eight months in Afghanistan on the Pakistan border and then a few other deployments in, around the Middle East. And then as I sort of approached my 10-year mark as an officer, I got this entrepreneurial itch and I've been lucky. I had spent nearly six of my 10 years as an officer commanding you know, frontline soldiers. And I feel like I had crammed sort of a lifetimes worth of leadership lessons in about 14 years of training. And I wanted to share that. I, as I looked out in the world, I, just, I felt like it was missing from what I could see uh, in organizations. I feel like it was missing in people's lives. And I'd seen how powerful leadership can be and so important in transforming people's lives. So I decided that I was going to try to take these lessons into business and go into leadership coaching and training and try to take these lessons I had learned and share them with the world in different ways. But I'd never spent a single day in business, not a lot of business admin or marketing classes at the military academy, if you can imagine that. (laughs) 
So I really was coming from zero. And I knew enough to know that uh, commanding 12 Green Berets on the Pakistan border and having W-2 employees is probably a different thing. I didn't know how different, but I figured it's probably slightly different experience. So I thought, well, what do I need to do to get in a position where I can test my theories, I can make these mistakes, I can go out and test things in the real world, and what's my fastest route to get there? And so let's go to formal education and business. So I got my MBA from UNC Chapel Hill and then started my first company. And uh, first company was outside of combat, the hardest thing I've ever done is start my first company. You know, 30 months deployed overseas in my life and not a single panic attack, but I had two of them my first three years of being an entrepreneur uh, <laughs> and got hives and all sorts of issues. And that business ended up failing. So kind of hit rock bottom, lost, I uh, went through a bankruptcy, lost everything, repivoted, started a new company. And a few years later, it was doing very well. So, you know, two, three years ago, I decided, well, I've sort of mission accomplished in terms of the prep work. And I started Stronger Leader, Stronger Profits. And it's been a, a roller coaster ever since. What is Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits? So Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, we are a leadership education and training and coaching company. Mm. And so we do executive coaching one-on-one, we do workshops, and I'm really excited. We're getting ready to launch a brand new Stronger Leaders Academy here in the next quarter. So that's going to be our first version of this done-for-you leadership development program for companies where I think we can really create some enduring enduring change. But, you know, in, in terms of what it is sort of philosophically, we believe that leadership is the strongest power in the universe to create really positive or negative change. Leadership, if you look at human history, is, is really the most influential and powerful force when you get a group of people under one vision and one set of values and driving forward in one way in a, in a coherent and synchronized way. Now, leadership itself is sort of amoral, right? So you can point to plenty of examples where it took us down the wrong path and plenty of examples where it took us to a great path. But I really believe, and we really believe that, you know, one of your values is is contentment this month and fulfillment, contentment, joy, happiness, passion in life. That's how everyone should feel going to work. And I don't feel like very many people do, but they should, right? It's you spend all your time at this. And with the right leadership and the right organization, people can feel fulfilled at work and they can feel like what they're doing with their work, however that is inside a big organization, small organization, as an entrepreneur, that should be part of contentment. That should be part of fulfillment. And leadership is the way to get that. And I feel like some businesses and leaders and people think that like fulfillment and profitability are at odds. Yeah. Right. Like that you make a profit and then, yeah, you know, it'll be nice to do some coaching with our folks. It'll be nice to do some, you know, culture, all these things people talk about. But what we're seeing more and more in the marketplace is that in actuality, those things are intrinsically connected, right? If you have people that, have great leaders and great culture. And, you know, imagine the type of people who look forward to their one-on-one every month with their manager, right? Like they're looking forward to that call because they know at the call, they're going to learn something about themselves. They're going to get development. They're going to get feedback. They're going to learn something new and and they're going to talk about the future and how they impact their business. When you have that, those people stay longer, right? Turnover goes down. Those people are more engaged, right? Because at the end of the day, money is a satisfier, not a driver. So if you really want to drive people to 150%, yeah, exactly, right? It's about something more than that. If I say, hey, if you sell a thousand widgets and you'll make this commission, you're going to sell a thousand widgets. But are you going to go out of your way to sell 2,000 if the money's not there? No, right? It's going to, money gets you to do just enough to get the money, but leadership and passion and purpose gets people to go above and beyond and improve themselves as a human. And then you get better, more engaged employees that don't want to leave. And that creates greatness inside a company, which actually directly improves profitability, which means you can put more money into your people. So in, my, in our estimation, fulfillment and profitability 
when you have the proper leadership are a positive feedback loop. And I think over the next 10 years, the companies that embrace that mindset are going to thrive and the ones that don't are going to fail. Alrighty, folks, sit tight and we'll be right back on Transacting Value. Alrighty, folks, here at Transacting Value, we write and produce all the material for our podcast in-house, gain perspective alongside you, our listeners, and exchange vulnerability and dialogue with our contributors every Monday morning. But for distribution, Buzzsprout's a platform to use. You want to know how popular you are in Europe or how Apple is a preferred platform to stream your interviews? Buzzsprout can do that. You want to stream on multiple players through an RSS or custom feed or even have references and resources to take your podcast professionalism, authenticity, and presence to a wider audience? Buzzsprout can do that too. Here's how. Start with some gear that you already have in a quiet space. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Plus, following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you gets you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. You want more value for your values? Buzzsprout can do that too. In, my, in our estimation, fulfillment and profitability, when you have the proper leadership, are a positive feedback loop. And I think over the next 10 years, the companies that embrace that mindset are going to thrive and the ones that don't are going to fail. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that's the goal anyways, right? Like money shouldn't be the destination, but it can be, especially in the short term. If your goals are, I got to pay medical bills, I got to pay for gas, I got to pay for groceries, I got to decide, do I pay for gas or groceries or anything in between, right? So not to trivialize that, it totally can be a goal. However, oh, yeah. I think it's also important for us in this conversation to establish a baseline and then also for our listeners to follow along a little bit with some clarity that the perspective we're talking about is not 100% applicable to everybody, right? Because like I said, some people may have different priorities where I don't really care, for example, how I feel going to work that day. I just need to go to work that day because I need an income and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. So maybe some sacrifice is necessary, right? But Sean, I'm curious, you talked about all these businesses and you talked about leadership qualities and you talked about how values are important. What about yours? So this is the first segment of the show I call Developing, developing Character. character. Developing, developing Character. character. And it's three questions, okay? This is essentially three different time frames. So the first question, what were some of your values growing up, let's say, as a teenager? So when I was sort of a teenager, and I guess what kind of led me up to kind of getting into West Point, you know, one of the observations that was sort of critical in my development, I think, was I grew up with, I grew up with a single mom until my mom married my stepdad when I was in junior high. And he was, you know, we get along great. And it was an amazing experience. And he taught me so much in terms of, you know, what being a head of household is and what work ethic was. And he had taught me how to set goals and all these things. When I was growing up as a, as a child, even my mother is like the most caring, loving, you know, she raised me, worked full time and put herself through undergrad and grad school without any financial help from my biological father mm. and became a school psychologist to work with special needs children wow. and did that so that she could spend more time with me in the summer. And before that we were 
in poverty trying to run a daycare center inside our apartment and it wasn't working. So, so that's like the example I saw in terms of, you know, empathy and just being a good person and, and, and having sort of a, a strong moral compass on how you impact others. And what I started seeing as I, you know, I think as we start to come out of that childlike bubble that, that you're put into as a child, you start seeing the world. So I started, I've always been a newsie. So politics, policy, the news, reading. What, what I started seeing was all these adults, and, and this was, I started having some conflict inside, I think, all these good people, adults, and around and you start realizing how messed up the world is, like how many people are suffering and how messed up our systems are and how fundamentally flawed things are. I mean, it's great as we have in America, but even overseas, I would ride, I always rode the bus to school since the time I was little. And I remember watching, reading a news article and it was a bomb that went off at a school bus station in Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So go figure. There's still violence there, you know, obviously for almost ever, but still today. So, and I remember thinking like, man, I've never worried about a bomb going off at my school bus stop. Yeah. Never. I ne- never even crossed my mind that was a possibility. Well, why? Why did I not even have to, why is that even part of my reality? And this was actually happening to these kids of my same age, just because they were in a different place in the world. And it started really pulling out a few things. One, I started really thinking, oh, why, why do I have those conditions here and in America and other countries don't? And that's what led me to really decide I felt an obligation to serve. So I think service to others is a value. It really got ingrained in me there because I realized other people had fought and died and not just soldiers, although that was where my mind was, but the suffragettes, the civil rights activists, like all the people who pushed our society forward and been persecuted for trying to change the status quo, I felt an obligation to be part of that change. And I also, I would say I was angry when I looked around because all these adults that seem to have all this power and influence and knowledge seem to be doing nothing about it. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, you know how it works. So you're like, yeah. you can't, you can't dam a river without getting wet. You know, yeah. you can't move a current without expecting to be wet. And I think a lot of that pushback is just going to happen. You mentioned the status quo. And for the record, I'm assuming you were in grade school then through the 90s, maybe early 90s at that point, right? Yeah. So I was in yeah grade school basically throughout the 90s, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated high school in 2001. And okay. so, yeah, the, I was a 90s kid, 80s baby, 90s kid, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So me too. So just to put this uh, timeline in perspective, these events you're describing aren't just stuck to then. These things still happen now, whether we hear about them or not. It just means we don't hear about them. It doesn't mean they stopped happening. So you can find, obviously, articles or videos or whatever. But all throughout the Middle East for the past 22 years, for a lot of people, is the first time they heard about conflict in the Middle East. Mm. But for the majority of the world, and more importantly, the majority of the people living in the Middle East, it has not started 22 years ago. (laughs) So, yeah, Mm -hmm. understanding that perspective counts for quite a bit. And I'm curious then moving a little bit more closer to now, present tense. So the second question, what are some of your values now then based on those things? Yeah, so, you know, service is still one of mine. I would say another value that matters to me is impacting others and contributing and making your life, making your life matter and how to define that is how we impact others because we're communal creatures, right? So, you know, this is a concept, you know, you mentioned the book that this North Star theory. So I have a North Star theory that I think really defines my values is every living creature is its most happy, content, and fulfilled when its activities and environment are aligned with its genetic purpose. 
Mm. I believe this is a universal law. You know, if you look at my wife and I've been married for three years now and we, we don't have kids yet, but we've got plenty of plants, right? I think my wife is sort of like making up for no kids with a turning our house into a greenhouse a bit, right? So I've got tons <laughs> of plants everywhere. And, and, and if you even take it down this North Star theory down to the plant level, if you have a plant that's supposed to be in the desert and you water it every day, it's not going to do well, mm-hmm. right? You have a plant that's supposed to be in the sun and you put it in the shade, it doesn't do well or, you know, whatever, uh, partially in the sun, whatever that means, the directions that come on these plants. I'm like, I don't know what partial sun is, but um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it applies to that. And the same thing happens in the animal kingdom, right? Zoos have to do enrichment activities with their animals. They have to fake a hunt for a lion or it will mentally and physically deteriorate. Like, why is that, right? It's got free healthcare, it's got all the food it wants. But if you put it by in a cage by itself, it will deteriorate, you know? And so human beings are no different. So and uniquely human characteristics are our ability to communicate and work in tribes and put things together, which is hence leadership, right? So too often in our society, there's some benefits to being in an individualistic society like we have in sort of the Western world, right? Things like work ethic, things like, you know, freedom to make your decisions, rewarded for your work and value, like all these things that are so important and and drive us forward. But it also, our society pushes us to this idea that individual goals and accomplishments will make us fulfilled. Mm. And it simply won't. It's not who we are as human beings. We're communal creatures. What we actually get fulfillment from is positively impacting other people. And so a huge value of mine is that's the driving focus that leads to fulfillment and contentment is how are you going to figure out who you are as a person and maximize your value? And how are you going to impact the world around you? And if you live a life that way, you can lead a life of fulfillment and contentment and joy. Yeah, 100%. You talked about the North Star Theory, obviously, in your book, but specific to right now, you said in an alignment, environment, circumstances, events, in an alignment with your, would you say, genetic purpose? Well, mm-hmm. that may be a sort of natural identity, right? But mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, sometimes you got to sacrifice a little bit and do things maybe to go against the grain and circumstantially, it's just necessary at that point in your life. Alrighty, folks, sit tight and we'll be right back on Transacting Value. At Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, their message is their namesake. Companies are built on drive and ambition, ideas, passion, and creativity. Companies are strengthened through camaraderie and corporate social governance. Often profits are the benchmark of success and the most readily able to provide for more quality workplace culture and welcoming environments for clients, customers, and peers. But what about the managers? How can they gain exposure to better lead employees through those evolutions and growth? By finding a North Star. Through executive coaching as a medium for creating self-awareness, business teams, managers, and senior business leaders can receive training to empower transformational change and increase profitability. A leader isn't a position you hold, it's a person you become. And with Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, believing effective whole person leadership cultures are the most powerful force on the planet, you can believe that their teams will stand by their commitment to empower your corporate transformation. Together we can create the world we all deserve to live in. Unlock our human potential at strongerleaderstrongerprofits.com today. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about earlier, sometimes you got to sacrifice a little bit and do things maybe to go against the grain and circumstantially it's just necessary at that point in your life, right? So I'm curious then, how do you differentiate or how do you identify a difference between that identity you talked about, those genetic purposes and pretenses, to maybe the roles that we fill in our lives? Is there a correlation to those things? Yeah, sort of nature versus nurture, right? Okay. And I think... To clarify, so genetic purpose to me was more like as a human being, okay, right? like as a human being who we are. So that's that kind of communal impact. And then 
I think that the individual work, that sets the conditions, right? Like that sets sort of the box, like the rules of the game, the rules of the experiment. And then you have to figure out based on, you know, I guess who you are sort of naturally, right? Versus your experiences and, you know, the culture you're in, like all those things start to shape you and your perspective. So you can determine, okay, within the confines of fulfillment will come from maximizing my impact on others. How do I want to do that? So, you know, the values work is so important to figure out sort of who you are as an individual. And what I usually do then is have clients and people I work with, then we, we do a, a SWOT assessment, sort of the classic, you know, strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, threats that we do in business. Sure. But I have it do them with the world around them, their worldview. Hmm. So what are the strengths based on the way the world should be and the way it actually is? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And then what you can do is once you know yourself and like, what are your strengths? What do you like to do? What are your values? All those things. And you overlay it with, here's the way the world should be in my eyes and here's the way it actually is. You can find a role in there to make it become your North Star that'll drive you. So it could be, there's a threat to the way you think the world should be. So countering that threat is important to you. Maybe it's that there's an opportunity to improve in this one area of the world. So you're going to focus on this opportunity and bringing it to fruition. And the one thing too on this worldview or you know, what psychologists call model of the world is that we never tell people what the scale or scope of that is. Right. And it's so interesting to do this with people because we'll just put that out there as the guidelines. They'll do the work. And one person is talking about how to alleviate generational poverty in their family and how people are making emotional rash decisions instead of looking at logic and looking long term. Right. This sort of traditional generational poverty cycle of short term thinking and short term gratification because they haven't had a lot of resources. And then the person next to them is talking about original sin and human, you know, the human condition and how to change that mindset. And the other person is talking about politics and the other person is talking about our church, right? So yeah. you really start to see that the diversity in like, when I say change the world or impact the people around you, people's perspective of their world and how they think and what oh, they think about oh, is oh. so varied. And I think yeah. that that's really cool, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, and like you said, a lot of that's just due to background or, you know, who you surround yourself with, right? I think in that sort of I'll call it a group, and I'm using that word loosely just because we referenced a bunch of different backgrounds. So in that group, that sort of collective reference that you just brought up, people are people by nature. You know what I mean? And humans can be prideful. Humans can be greedy, which not to say there's things wrong with that necessarily, but it is a natural sort of tendency. So if you're working with people in that capacity or just talking with somebody like this one-on-one -on -one about people, in that collective capacity. How do you factor in selfishness? How do you factor in pride? How do you factor in, yeah, your worldview applies to you and my worldview applies to me, but, and not to get into politics, but even a more poignant example now, well, you can't have subjective, factually based defenses to what you hear about in politics or the news or the positions you get behind, right? So I guess what I'm asking is, how do you gauge your level of pride and the level of reality on some sort of XY graph and say, Here's a worldview that's applicable to generically a lot of people. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think the key here is a term I love to use. And if I could take one magic wand and wave it over and everyone in the world would have this quality, I think it would basically solve all the world, most of the world's problems, which is a term called epistemic humility. So epistemic humility is just the realization that as human beings, we have limited data to work with like you said, right? Like it's a realization that like, I don't know everything about anything. <laughs> it's almost right. impossible to, right? Yeah. Because if you did, that would mean that you could never learn and grow. If I study something, I work on a skill, 
hopefully I'm getting better at it. I'm getting closer to real truth, right? But that journey's never done. And also I could be missing a key piece of data that means that my perception of reality is, is flawed in some way, right? We see this okay. in every, whether it's social science or hard scientists, right? Like we're constantly making discoveries like, oh crap, we were wrong about that. Oh, okay, right? But just internalizing that concept of realizing that every opinion and belief you hold, and I don't care what it is, and I'll have this argument with anyone, like I don't care if it's a politics, religion, spirituality, culture, you have to admit, I believe this right now, but everything you believe is an opinion based on your data set and your experiences, and you could potentially be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's a critical juncture for us to have the humility to admit, here's what I believe. Please prove me wrong. How many times on the internet have you seen someone actually put down, that's good information. I changed my mind. Sure. Like how refreshing would that be to hear that once of like, I never thought of it that way. I have an open enough mind to actually change my perspective on things. Now we see people, I'm not saying people don't change their perspectives, but I'm saying it's a sort of selfish, sort of a protective mechanism that people have to want to lock in a hard absolutism because they're scared of the unknown. And so we have to do the self-work. Yeah. We have to do the self-work on ourselves to be okay with the unknown, to sit in the unknown and be like, you know what? Nothing is for certain. And I have a certain set of beliefs and I'm going to think about them and I'm open to change them. And that's how we grow as individuals. So to answer your question, I think that's a key distinction. We have to do the work ourselves and start to work against our own ego that wants us to be right all the time and just make our best guess and be informed. And I think that that will, that work, that self-work that each individual needs to do opens up and makes life so much more enjoyable and exciting, right? If everything is just a learning opportunity, like how fun is that? It makes life a lot more entertaining and a lot more enjoyable, I think, but in terms of just what we're experiencing, but when you apply it to other people, just even in conversations, oh, here's a point. I talked to a guy the other day. He said, hey, don't worry about calling me. Just send me a text if everything's, you know, if everything was good, whatever we were talking about. And I said, yeah, I get that. But if I have any follow on questions or if you've got any questions, I'll call you and let you know and that we can just sort it out in the moment. He said, no, it's fine. Just send me a text. We'll take care of it. Well, that I think is becoming more the trend. And mind you, I'm talking about, generally speaking, first world problems and relative self illiteracy here. Okay, so if that's the mode of communication at this point in time, I think it's also important to point out that humans almost need to relearn how to communicate because technology has changed that. Not that it's changed for the worse, but it's changed that. There's been an impact. Alrighty, folks, sit tight and we'll be right back on Transacting Value. Did you know that children who do chores to earn their allowance have more respect for finance and more of a drive for financial independence? Did you know that families who complete tasks together have stronger bonds? Did you know that cognition, sense of self, and anxiety all improve if people have regular interactions with nature? Imagine what instilling self-esteem, resilience, family, teamwork, and an authorized sense of self could do for the growth of each generation, no matter the temptation. At Hoofenklucker Farm, that's just another Tuesday. Want to learn how to homestead or just more effectively develop your character for an unknown future? Follow or direct message on Instagram at Hoofenklucker Farm. Watch it happen in real time. A wise man learns from the mistakes of others. A foolish man learns from his own. I think it's also important to point out that humans almost need to relearn how to communicate because technology has changed that. Not that it's changed for the worse, but it's changed that. There's been an impact. And I don't know about you. I misinterpret text messages all the time. I read with an intonation that makes sense in my head, maybe not what you intended to convey. So 
it's difficult, right? But to sit down and have a conversation about the weather is great for about 30 seconds. And that's assuming you care about the weather or to sit down and talk yeah. about the food at a restaurant or, you know, how to, I don't know, get into a club or publish a book or sort of smaller talk things. But when you start talking about, like you mentioned earlier, social sciences or culture or perspective or language or leadership for that matter. Well, now, how do you know which questions to ask or which would be more effective? Or how do you know which points to listen to? Or more importantly, in my opinion, how do you actively listen during a conversation to actually contribute some value, which obviously is the premise of the show here. So if we're tying those two pieces together, the self-leadership aspect that you just brought up and understanding how you come across to other people, the sort of self-literacy that I'm describing, there's an important level, a uh, skill set of being able to have a civilized conversation with an open mind, right? But I think it's equally as important to bring up, you don't have to sacrifice your position to do that. It's not a moral flexibility where you don't stand for anything. It's just a position where you're willing to listen. And I think that level of mutual respect and civility goes a long way. And we don't, not that it doesn't happen, but we don't hear about it that often anymore. In your experience, I guess it's probably fair to say over the last 20 years almost now, working in consulting, writing your book, working in the army, even maybe going through school and getting your MBA, but working with other people and building a team, have you found the ability to communicate effectively is degrading as a trend over the last maybe two decades? And then if you have, nah. what do we do about it? Uh, really good point. So first of all, I think yeah, everything you said there was fantastic and well stated. I don't know if the overall, I think it's hard to be like overall like at what scale are we talking to say communications between people have degraded? I think you could look at, you can almost take like one sliver and be like online or, you know, text versus phone calls or okay. uh, remote work versus in person, right? Like the scale of that versus just like overarching, are we better or worse at communicating? I think it depends. I do think that communication, like when I go into work with companies and, and in relationships is sort of is the key. And it often is almost every company I work with, and, and you could probably relate to this, when there's a failure, communication is at least a contributing factor and usually the primary cause Oh yeah, yeah. of some sort of failure, right? So uh, I do think it is a very important skill to learn. And I do think that the modalities of how to do that have changed. I think to your point, I think the key is there's so much information now from different people that it's a matter of like, what's your filter? Like, who are you going to listen to? And we have to be very educated in detecting the bias that is inherent and sometimes unintentionally and sometimes intentionally in almost all the communication and information we're getting. And I think that to have good communication, the key there to me is to create sort of the same, to come to a shared understanding of maybe the importance of that communication or to come to a shared understanding of this is how we like to communicate with each other. So for example, right, it's interesting. I work with some companies where especially like new digital companies, right? That trendy, cool, hip, and we do everything about, I think there's an overemphasis on things like personality tests and communication styles. I mean, I think it's important, but it's not scalable, right? So if you can bring it to a common modality, like, hey, this is how we communicate here. This is our culture. This is the expectation. The expectation is if you're checking on facts and details, a text is fine. If we're going to talk about ideas, a call is how we do that. If we communicate internally, it's on Slack. And externally, it's just via email. You know, our marketing is going to be 80% video. Shortly, like you start saying, like, what based on what I'm trying to get out of this, I, I don't think there's like one best way to communicate 
But I do think that setting the conditions for that, whether that's in your business, whether that's with your friends, whether that's in your relationships, right? Like with your partner or, you know, with my wife, that's part of that relationship is figuring out how do you communicate and how do we like to extending the conditions so we can communicate better, not necessarily what is said. And so like my wife, my wife is an example. She's much more direct. She's from the West coast in Oregon. I'm from Kansas. And you know, it's kind of like, don't rock the boat Midwest. Like everyone's <laughs> happy and nice all the time. Yeah. And so and we luckily we're getting so much better at this over the years, but you know, she would say, get, I would do something to irritate her or expectations aren't met. Cause I think that almost every issue with a relationship or between people comes down from just unmet expectations. There was two people had different set of expectations. It's very rarely that one person has a clear set of expectations. That person's like, ah, screw it. I don't care about you. It's usually because it's different expectations. So like if expectations weren't met, you know, she would, in my viewpoint, right. Kind of like, you should be flipping out at me, right? Super. Direct. Why is this going on? What's that? And in my head, I'm thinking, why is she so upset? Because for me to communicate to her that way means that I'm at like an eight to 10. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking she's at an eight to 10 and I'm like, why are you an eight to 10 over the long term? Like it's not a big deal. And we'd have these issues. And then as we talked, you know, outside of those instances, when emotions weren't so high, we realized actually she's at a three in her opinion. It's just like, it's better to be the direct and get out in the open. She's not freaking out. She's not that upset. She's just kind of nipping in the bud earlier than me. And so we kind of found a way to level set and I have that understanding and she understands where I'm coming from. And so she's communicates different to me and I hear it differently. So setting the conditions of the communication, I think is the most important part to have that quality communication between individuals, whether that's in an organization or as individuals. Alrighty folks, sit tight and we'll be right back on Transacting Value. Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter to George Washington in 1787 that agriculture is our wisest pursuit because it will, in the end, contribute most to wealth, good morals, and happiness. Did you know that even at a nearly $1 billion valuation, farmers markets nationwide still authentically serve their local markets as direct-to-consumer, farm-fresh models of freedom, self-reliance, and teamwork? At the Keystone Farmers Market in Odessa, Florida, those same ideals also cultivate an agritourism experience, preserving the old ways of wholesome, family-oriented, sustainable growth of produce and people. For premium quality produce at affordable prices, opportunities for the kiddos to feed the baby cows, or to simply wander the garden and watch your future meals grow, visit Keystone Farmers Market on Facebook or come by in person to 12615 Tarbon Springs Road. Keystone Farmers Market, the place with the boiled peanuts. So setting the conditions of the communication, I think, is the most important part to have that quality communication between individuals, whether that's in an organization or as individuals. Well, I mean, it's like any other mission set, right? Once you're able to more effectively or actually assess a baseline, you can better plan and account for anomalies. And more often mm -hmm. than not, you don't want to get caught off guard by them. So every other relationship's the same way, right? Like you talked about with you and your wife, but, you know, working with people, it could be, I don't know, it could be coworkers. Could be between classmates, could be kids to parents, parents to grandparents, kids to grand, whatever the relationship is, is almost irrelevant. But yeah, understanding how and why people interpret and communicate the way they do is a skill set. And I think mm -hmm. counter to your point, which were phenomenal points, managing expectations, but counter to your point, I think that is at least not as heavily publicized or taught, even though it's mm -hmm. continually, consistently, and equally experienced. So, you know, talking about those considerations and managing expectations and how to work and talk with people is super important. And actually, to that point, I just have one other question I want to ask you before we wrap this up. You talked about these natural gifts, or at least people identifying their own. 
strengths and weaknesses in certain parameters and environments. And I agree, I, I think that's important. But again, there are a lot of people, some listening to the show, some just existing that haven't heard of me yet that hopefully will eventually, or your readers or your clients, where they don't necessarily have the luxury of being able to effectively steward their skills in an alignment with their values or with who they are as people. Because like I said, maybe they just, for example, I've got three kids and I'm renting a Motel 6 apartment room because my house got flooded and now I can't focus on what I can contribute because I need to focus on what needs to get done. You know what I mean? Do you see that kind mm -hmm. of stewardship as a luxury in that capacity? So I think, you know, it's interesting. I've got, uh, tells you maybe how weird I am, but I've got up on my whiteboard, like literally over here in my office, I keep a running list and it changes over time of what do I think in my mind are proven universal concepts that help explain the world around me. That's how weird I am. I've got my whiteboard. And what I have over there when I teach is the importance of understanding Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm, so, sure. so I think that kind of what you're talking about is important because we have to understand that for ourselves and we have to understand that for other people, right? Because everyone else is being affected by this. So if, you know, we're trying to have a conversation about contentment and enlightenment and fulfillment, like all these like existential self-actualization values, right? But if someone doesn't know where they're going to eat, in an hour or like they haven't eaten in two days and we're going to eat tomorrow. Like they don't care, right? They, yeah. They're not going to relate. It's not going to be there. Same thing. So if we don't have safety, right? So if we don't have things like we have quality housing, we have a safe place to go. We've got financial stability. All those base needs have to be met as a human being so that we can sort of ascend to that. So is, in that sense, is it a privilege? Yes. I think it's at least an indicator, right? If, if we're even, sitting here and like, you know what? I write on universal concepts on my whiteboard as I contemplate life on a Wednesday, <laughs> right? Like that is, in that sense, that's a privilege. And I feel lucky to have that. And I think it's important to one, if you understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that that is sort of an underlying human psychological condition, then you can relate to people differently and you can kind of meet them at your level. And this is actually a conversation I bring up Maslow when I teach leadership workshops, because to your point, that's why whole person leadership is so needed because you and I both know if you have an employee and they're having financial difficulties and they are struggling with debt or bills or something like that, and they don't know if they're going to be able to pay the rent or the mortgage next month, and you try talking about, let's go 150% on our, you know, <laughs> our effort inside the warehouse today, you're not talking at their level, right? Yeah. Or their relationships, right? Like I, I was previously married and when I was in the army and I went through a divorce and it was awful. And I remember I apologized in tears to my, my team started one time, I like, do you're not getting the best commander I could be right now. I'm so sorry. You're not getting the best me. And he's like, no, you're fine. You're killing you. But in the, in the moment, I knew that I wasn't bringing my 100% to that team and to work because this, my, my relationship, this, my safety and my family was falling apart and I didn't know how to deal with it. So it's, it's looking at it from two perspectives, right? Like one being the short term, here's what I need to accomplish to, like you said, satisfy this sort of base level within this hierarchy of needs. However, maybe considering the fact not to lose sight of the overall direction and value system of what you're trying to accomplish. Cause one can definitely be within the other, but you know, given time, effort, energy, finances, whatever circumstances, you may need to subjugate one need for another in that moment. And I think that's a fair point. Like when you said, when you got divorced, I got divorced and it was a miserable experience for a whole bunch of different reasons. And it's difficult to focus on anything else, right? So you have to sort of play the hand you're dealt and then go play another table. That's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> But 
Yeah. Uh, Sean, for the sake of time, man, I really appreciate this opportunity. And for anybody listening, if they want more information about you, find out about your book, look into Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits, maybe even get into the academy once you guys get it going and flowing. How do people do this? What do they do? So the best place to go is the website. So it's strongerleaderstrongerprofits.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram as Sean Patton Presents. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and definitely shoot me a note. We, uh, like I said, we work with individuals at all levels, business owners, mid-level managers, executives, workshops, keynote speaking. And then, so we're really excited for this uh, Stronger Leaders Academy rollout in the second quarter where we can help companies create an enduring leadership culture inside their company and, you know, unlock sort of that next level of performance. I think, I mean, I don't think all the data shows that a strong leadership culture, you know, communications, all these things that we just talked about today, right? Helping people establish North Star. It's funny, many things we talked about today are basically all in the academy. So they're all part of self-leadership and then leadership of others. Um, and so we're really excited to like have all that go out. Well, then I'm happy and honored and humbled to help you test your curriculum. <laughs> but <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Dude, yeah, such a cool opportunity for everybody listening, the website and Sean's social media presence and all that information, that'll be linked in the show notes. So click see more, click show more, depending on what your player is, and you'll be able to see all those links also. Again, Sean, thank you very much. But for everybody listening, that was a great talk. So thank you for listening to our core values for April of growth, stewardship, and contentment. I'd also like to thank, frankly, everybody that you came across at West Point, all the guys you worked with all the experiences you've had, and obviously your team now, I think you guys have a pretty solid operational team at SLSP. And without them and your experiences, there's no way this conversation would have been as cool as it was. So thank you to them also. But to our show partners, Keystone Farmers Market, Hoof and Clucker Farms, and Buzzsprout, obviously for your distribution, thank you also. Now folks, if you're interested in joining our conversation or you wanna discover our other interviews, check out transactingvaluepodcast.com. Follow along on social media where we continue to stream our new interviews every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all your favorite podcasting platforms. So until next time, that was Transacting Value.